0: Hey everyone, welcome to 15 with Andy Randy and Jeff. This is episode 16. As always, this is your weekly midweek break to reconnect with your church community and the topics we're discussing. Before we begin today, just want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners, that means you. And this past week as our last episode came available, we hit the th- over we went over the 1000 listen mark last week. So that was pretty cool. And for the first time, this Well, in any of our episodes, we actually had two emails and a text message. So we actually had some listener feedback. So we hit a couple of big milestones for us. But before we get to that, just want to remind everyone, go back and check out last week's podcast, which was entitled A Place for Prostitutes, where we decided that we don't work for salvation, we work from salvation. And that as a Christian, those might be the most important words you will ever take to heart and put into practice. A life application that, if missed, makes the rest merely details and disappointments. Find all of our episodes on Spreaker by going to hospitalchurch.org podcast. Mobile applications, as always, we are on iTunes, so if you subscribe there, you'll never miss an episode early on Wednesday morning. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, we're all there. Text us your thoughts at 407-965-1607, or you can email, which we do know it works because we got one or two. Podcast at org. So, all that brings us to the fifth and final week of our series, Rated R for Relevance, here on the podcast. And, uh, well, first time again in a couple of weeks, it's Andy and Jeff. Welcome, guys. Good to be here. Good being here. So, uh, first of all... Um, I guess the uh, this message had me nervous to get started with because I'm like, "Are <laughs> you, know, you nervous?" Uh, <laughs> uh, you know. Well, it's, yeah.
1: It's why I punted the Jeff and left <laughs> <laughs> town. Really,
0: relevant as football season is upon us, um, but you know the the blood, the sacrifice, the covenants, all this stuff seems really, really confusing. Frankly, a bit scary. Uh, mm. Oftentimes, even to those of us that think we have at least a bit of a handle on it. Uh, seemingly we compare the God of the Old Testament to that of the New and often kind of left scratching our heads when they don't seem to reflect the same person sometimes, or at least not to us. Uh, And, you know, maybe that person isn't always necessarily inviting to us.
1: And Jeff solved that problem completely (laughs) for you, right? I know, and afterwards I'm like, what was I worried about? He knocked it
0: out of the park. So before we actually jump into what uh, Jeff talked about, I do want to get to the text question, which uh, we got uh, late this week, uh, excuse me, early this week. Um, And it was, since Jeff, since it's your message, I'll let it go for you. Um, The person texted in, I would like to hear more about the blood in relation to its significance, the significance of it for life and the symbolic meaning of Christ's blood. Is there a correlation? Is there something deeper that maybe you didn't touch on? Um, in the message,
2: yeah, you know that's a that's part of the difficulty of this topic is where does the symbolism end and where does the realism begin and um, and and I actually I actually did uh, a little bit of work on that but mostly dealt with the bloodline or the the family tree so to speak that happened after Christ um, yeah that's a it's a it's an interesting question because when you think about the um, the mix of theology that we have out there in terms of uh, the issue of transubstantiation and the idea of uh, some of our other Christian friends who look at blood as being real. This is the real blood. Um, and then symbolism all through the Bible. It has always been about life. And that's what I I think I began my talk saying there's so many more texts that have to do with yeah. life as opposed to death and violence and so forth. So, um, I don't know what they what they want me to say or what we you know what we all can say about it other than the fact that um I look at I look at blood in the Old Testament and it was always I think I mentioned this too, it's always not human blood. Right. In other words, Christ has always wanted man to think that it's it's the blood of Christ or the future blood of the Messiah that will be shed for them so um i, I do think that through all that there was also cultural um uh, practices that were going on that had human blood their you know their own blood to appease gods and to so forth and I think God took their own communicative um their own way of communicating these promises and these covenants, he took that and he made it something that they would be able to look forward to without fear. In other words, it wasn't going to be their blood. It was always going to be somebody else. Somebody is going to be a substitute or atonement for that. So if you want to look at that and say, that still happens today, my blood never gets shed. There's a freeing blessing in all of this. And the fact that, even though it's symbolic and it's pointing forward in the Old Testament and even though it looks, we look back and we use it in remembrance and through communion, um, I, I like to think of it as, as a really good symbol for life in my life. And the fact that I get a chance to share in that communion, but I also get a chance to share in the bloodline yeah. of you know, who Christ is and what he did for me.
1: Well, I thought your I thought your use of the Abrahamic covenant when he splits the animals in half, yeah, and usually, yeah. usually the subservient one would walk through, right? And it wasn't Abraham; it was God saying, "I'll take care of you." Yeah, and, and I got to thank
2: Craig for the, Greg for that because in the first service, I just talked about it from the standpoint I was just going to use that illustration as that you know it's just one of those ways in which God uses. But Greg says, "Oh, I you know he reminded me of." Actually corrected me because it actually was only the subservient mm-hmm. person that walked through those the lesser of the
1: lesser of the, of the, the, lesser the, of two, the two. two kings were making a, a contract or a covenant right the lesser king would be the one that would walk the through. walk through and, saying and, it would be'll you know, I'll take i 'll take the weight of this covenant upon me right, and God chooses to walk through the the, the split animals so saying to abraham basically'll take i 'll take responsibility for this covenant it 's a covenant between us. But I'm I'm going to take the the bigger piece of the responsibility, not you, Abraham. Yeah, and and that's a, that's a whole blood, yeah, and if, as well of the life. If you look at that story, the story is
2: it's great because what happens is Abraham waits. As a matter of fact, Abraham falls asleep. He shoots buzzards away and vultures and so forth, and then God comes walking through it. You know, during the night or whenever he's it's late. So you have this idea of Abraham didn't do anything. <laughs> he fell asleep, literally, and it was God that did the entire covenant. And I think, and I don't want to say that we're just falling asleep, but God does everything in the atonement. And so when we think of blood, um, the loss of blood is a loss of life and so forth. When when you think of all of the blood, all of the responsibility falls on God, which was never, ever seen in any other rituals or covenants by other nations.
1: And, and it's his life that he gives us. And everything. We, we, yeah. we oftentimes, like, say, focus on the death part of it, but it's right. really his life that he gives. Yeah.
0: Well, excellent. Heather, I hope that answers your question or gives you a little bit more in-depth. And actually, I heard in seconds—we were at seconds, so I did hear your explanation about about that uh, yeah. the sacrifice— and it still didn't make as much sense as it did now that you guys just, both just had that conversation. So, <laughs> well, I ho- kind of quickly ran through yeah. it. Yeah. So hopefully that uh, that sheds a little bit more light. And you know, this is a it's just a, it's a topic that's hard to get around sometimes, and to, to wrap our minds around and and kind of figure this out. Is there anything that you, we can preface a discussion about this topic or this subject that is maybe? kind of opens you up to understand or to kind of prepare you for what you're about to try to learn or try to understand or try to listen? Oh, that's a good question. I
2: I do think that the way in which um, we look at covenants in the Old Testament, um, I, I don't know if it was—in the New Testament, it's, it's a— um, it's a different way of looking at it i, I one of the stories I didn't talk about that I thought was interesting. Luke mentions the story of the woman who was bleeding for twelve years right and um there is a there was a an understanding that you know any kind of illness like that that was just done by God right or supernatural not there and Andy mentioned well, this before there's no natural and there's no I mean, it's there's no science to this. This is all done by God,
1: right? Yeah, everything in the everything, and, especially in the Old Testament. Well, most of the Old Testament, the, the the gods get responsibility for everything, right? Because there's no scientific explanation. Shame. I mean, if, <laughs> right. if you have a flood, then the you know the the, the gods were against you, and yeah. if you had a good harvest, the gods were for you, and you know, no reason to understand the whole El Ninos. <laughs> <Right>.
2: <laughs> so, and here's this woman who's losing blood. In other words. Her life is she's losing life, right. which is an interesting if you want to look at it in symbolic terms. Sure. And um and she's you know she's tried everything. And I'm not you know, again I, I think Luke looked at it probably more from a medical standpoint, but everybody else looked at her as somebody who was not that important. Right. She was something whatever happened to her, God didn't apparently it didn't show any favor on her. Right. She had tried all these, and so I'm sure in her community she was looked upon as. Being someone that wasn't in favor with God, and then all of a sudden, bam, she's she's healed, and Jesus takes time to throw this really interesting piece to her. While in the midst of while he's rushing to Jairus's daughters, uh, she's ill, and Jesus is going to heal her, but he stops the crowd and everything, and he goes to her, and he says, "Your faith has made you whole." Right, which. As I think about this, you know, you go back again. Now we're going back to the Abraham covenant, and it was his faith that his belief, his faith, that caused him to have righteousness. You know, and he says, "You're not righteous on your own; you're righteous." So here's this woman who believes, and his, and now her bleeding stops, and Jesus says, "It was your faith." That so I think when we look at New Testament um, stuff like this, we start to realize that I think the some of this symbolism gets changed. They're still doing sacrifices, but I think the New Testament, the main uh, thing that they start focusing on instead of blood uh, covenants is now Jesus is trying to help them see faith is, is where you're going to be going. We're going to be moved towards faith. So we're sealed by faith. And that's what I think is the new, I don't want to call it the new blood, but that's the new uh, part on our side to enter into the God's covenant is faith.
0: Okay, well, that's just... Yeah, c- well, because that was, until then, I was just kind of going to my next question, which was, you know, the... the uh, you said the covenant was a show of being all in on, yeah, the, on that covenant yeah. with God. So now faith becomes And so what was the modern equivalent for someone who's looking at this going, Okay, I don't even get this old testament stuff. Maybe not even I'm I'm just on the line of the New Testament. What does that mean to me now? And so faith is where is where kind of that new covenant well, is yeah, any, any modern any kind, equivalent.
1: Yeah, any kind of covenant is you're 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 making a promise to be all in. Right. I mean yeah, certainly. When they brought up circumcision as part of the covenant, it was an all-in kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I think that's just the whole idea—is that I'm, I'm actually want to be part of this, and and God's God's side is here. I am all in. And that's right. that's the whole Jesus side.
2: So yeah. our belief, our faith in God is our part of that covenant.
0: Okay. Well, and I thought that you know when you when you put it that way, it kind of puts some of these other things these other things to rest where people talk, you know, it's the blood, it's the old Testament, it's mass murder. It's, you know, all these, all these negative things. And you, you had a quote that said, God's plan never required violence to end violence or bloodshed to appease an angry God. And, um, and that seems to be a stumbling block to so many people that can only see that part of the story, apply their own ideas of what we understand violence and bloodshed to be. And not that they weren't Mm -hmm. some of those situations that truly were bloody. um, and then they look at, well, this is a God of love? What are you, crazy? That doesn't even work. I mean, how, do, how does this message kind of bridge that gap and help them to understand what we're talking about here?
2: Yeah, that was Andy's, my conversation prior to this sermon. <laughs> um, because there, there is sort of, and it's still, I mean, a lot of people feel like there is a cosmic uh, moral code that needs to be um, satisfied. By uh, you know by a cross or a blood blood sacrifice and
1: it's worse it's worse probably here in our country where we're yeah. we're we're very sort of locked into a the rule of law legal system mm-hmm. uh, your day in court kind of thing and that's we sort of get locked into that that role of thinking as opposed to um, a, a more covenantal aspect together as
2: well. yeah I mean think about it you when somebody when somebody's wronged, you you just feel like that person needs to pay. That right. We, we see it in the movies. We don't want that movie to end until they get their justice. They get earned. their justice. That's
0: right.
1: right. Well, and there's lots of and there's lots of Christians that even sort of um, are disappointed a right. little bit. If a group doesn't go to hell. Right. You know, right. You know, right. No, it's so like... So, okay, I don't want to go, but there has to be somebody. <laughs> someone's th- got to Obviously, anything. that group deserves to be there. Can I
2: but I think, and that's one of the things I, I wanted to bring out in the very beginning, is that God was trying to redeem all his children, not just the Jewish people that right. came from the line of Abraham. He was trying to redeem everyone. And so when you think of it in those terms, you start to realize, you know, what would I, would I really want Justice happening to my brother or my sister or you know somebody who is close to me and so then all of a sudden we want God to bend the rules <laughs> a little bit so forth so I don't think it is a cosmic moral code that's being broken as much as it is a relationship issue uh, we just we, God wants His people back and so it's a, I look at it as a relationship problem that God's trying to work through. And, well, sure,
1: because Adam and Eve, when they make the decision yeah. in the initial fall, mm-hmm. are saying, "I'll do it my way," right? You know, forget the relationship, and and God has been working to restore the. Hey, let's work, we're we're in this thing together. Let's, let's stay together and be in a relationship as well,
2: right? So it was God trying to God's trying to solve this this distance between He and His His. His creation, his children,
0: well, and I thought you came into that from Ephesians two, yes, you yeah. went to eleven and thirteen and then also uh, verse nineteen, basically saying that you know death christ 's death to everyone just means that everyone that was once out of the picture we 're all in it together, and like you said, that also tends to bring out the best in us where yeah <laughs> if you're, if everyone 's kind of on the fringe well we don 't care, we hope we hope <laughs> they get their just desserts. but if it 's our family, if we really truly are all in this together well then I care a little bit more and you know. that, and, that God, more loves,
1: and God, that God loves and that God loves the the very enemy of Israel as much as he loves Israel right. it's, it's still right. a hard concept for us to grasp you know that he's for everybody he wants he he loves whatever we consider our worst enemy right now as much as he loves
0: us his love is is perfect
1: and unconditional
0: yep Yep. Well, this this could have gone a thousand different yeah. ways, folks. I mean, I I mean, I've got all kinds of notes that we're not going to obviously get to as we wrap up here. But I wanted to leave us with some final thoughts that came from our uh, FHC takeaways this week. Uh, those are available each week in person at the church or online. Helps us continue the conversation over a meal with friends here on the podcast. So. Um, and it said, and I believe this was from number four, when you feel like you belong and that you're accepted in a particular group, what is your most common reaction to new people who also want to belong to that group? So just <laughs> what we, this is what we just started talking about, but I would hope that our collective answer, if not currently there, would be at least striving to fulfill our welcome and who we are statement, which you can also find on our website florida hospital church or hospitalchurch dot org. FHC is a diverse congregation in Orlando, Florida. Our mission is loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are single, married, divorced, female, male, straight, gay, poor, rich, old, young. At FHC, we welcome any member of the community to join us in worship. We don't care if you're a practicing Christian or get lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We want to offer you grace and peace as you begin or continue your faith journey. We are FHC and we're all welcome here. And so I hope that at least from this message, if there was a collection of maybe how you look at who you might consider at this point to be on the fringe if we realize that we're all in this together, that maybe that brings us all into a little bit more community and all a little bit more grace to extend to those outside our walls. Mm-hmm. So if you have anything to add, you can obviously text us, 407-965-1607, and we will uh, discuss those just like we did today, um, or email us at podcast podcast.hospitalchurch.org. If you miss Jeff if you missed the message, you missed a lot. There was mm-hmm. a lot to unpack there. Great there were some really cool uh, stories about fireworks and explosions <laughs> and the ringing of ears and you know uh, being afraid of mom. So there's lots of good things that you can find there too. You can always find those on our uh, website, hospitalchurch.org. Click on the sermons tab, and then under there you'll find archives. Uh, Join us each week, 9.30 and 12, for first and second service, and at 10.45 in the middle, there's a Bible study. Next week, we begin a new series, or I should say this week. Uh, It's about the book of Ecclesiastes, and our speaker will be Don Williams. So if all goes well, maybe we'll have him as a guest next week. So plan on joining us this week in person, online, and of course on the podcast for episode 17. Thank you for joining us.